Hey guys, I'm Eric McLean. And I'm Kelly Gramlich. It's time to talk some ACC football. Let's go. What's up, everybody? Welcome into Gramlich and Mac Lane on a happy Wednesday, as my friend KG would say. We've got a really fun episode here today with our guy, Coach Mark Rick. Coach Rick is one of college football's absolute legends. He has coached and played for some of the most storied programs in the history of college football. He played quarterback at the University of Miami from 1978, great number, to 82. He played with Jim Kelly, Bernie Kosar, Vinny Testaverde, during his time at Coral Gables, just a loaded quarterback room, and then went on to become the offensive coordinator at Florida State from 1994 to 2000. He served as the OC for two national championship teams in 1993 and 1999. I love that he has those FSU and Miami ties. Following his time at FSU, Coach Rick was the head coach at Georgia from 2001 to 2015, winning two SEC titles and winning SEC Coach of the Year twice. His dogs finished in the top 10 seven times during his tenure. He finished up his coaching career as the head coach at his alma mater, the University of Miami. The Hurricanes won the ACC Coastal in 2017 under Coach Rick's leadership. He is now a member of the ACC Network family, his most prestigious job yet, and you can find him at the desk with Jordan Cornett, EJ Manuel, and Eric McLean every Saturday on The Huddle. Come on, guys. Let's get to it with Coach Mark Rick. Coach Mark Rick, welcome back to the podcast, our second ever repeat guest. Thanks for joining us today. <laughs> I feel honored, man. <laughs> you're, hey, you're, you're, you're two of two, man. There's only two people in the whole world that have ever in gotten the to whole do this. universe. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're one of them. Well, Coach, awesome. I want to start with your weekend. Because it looked absolutely amazing. You were honored by the dogs down in Athens. Just tell us about that weekend. Yeah, it was uh, something that was going to happen last year, and then COVID shut it down. And then they were going to push it to 2022 because that was a 20-year anniversary of the SEC championship game uh, the season when we won the SEC championship in 2002. And then what happened was uh, when I announced that I had Parkinson's, Everybody's like, well, maybe we better do it now. <laughs> uh, so they went ahead and, and uh, honored myself and Catherine and our family. And uh, it was just a wild uh, ride, really. And I, I didn't even realize how special it was until I was on the way home from the game because I didn't realize the band had put together like four different formations. Uh, one was a... Uh, a sign of the the hurricane, you know, me coming, me, me being a hurricane. One was a boot talking about that Tennessee victory and the hobnail boot uh, rant that uh, uh, our uh, illustrious Larry, Larry Munson had in his, <laughs> uh, his talk. And that, I mean, his call of the game. And then they had a uh, SEC logo for the titles we won. And then they, they formed, you know, our last name in cursive, which, was very, very humbling. And uh, so then we had former captains, uh, permanent captains came. There was probably 40 out of 60 came. And the ones that didn't come, you know, would text me and call me and tell me why they couldn't make it. But it, it was just a really great day for our family and uh, really appreciated what happened. 
It was really cool to see, Coach, especially that picture I think you posted of of your last name in cursive there, an incredible gesture from the band. And you bring up all the players that you got to see. I mean, you've coached so many players over your time in college football as an OC, as a head coach at different places. What is that like to just see the guys reminisce? It had to have been one of the highlights for you. It was. Well, you know, on the sideline, we were all honored together at halftime. And so you're trying to hug everybody's neck real quick. And, uh, was, you know, like I said, there was about 40 of them, so you couldn't get to them all. But then after halftime, they, they had a box provided for just us to just spend time. And, you know, I thought, I thought I was going to Georgia and I was going to get to watch a game for the first time as a fan. But I saw about three plays maybe because uh, I, was in the, I was in the 80s box in the first half and chatting with people. And then the second half with all the former captains and their wives and some of their kids and all that, it was just, it was a blast. Politicking, man. Yeah, that's what you got to do. You got to keep running for mayor there. I understand that. Well, coach, th this is the, the last Georgia question because I'm about to throw up over here thinking about all this red and black. You, you know me. <laughs> uh, but, but you've seen them all year. You got to see a glimpse of them in person. You said three plays. I mean, the dogs just look different this year. They, they really do. They, they look like it's them a big gap, and then everybody else. Are they going to win the national title this year? Uh, I would say there's a really good chance. It's it's almost – it'll be almost impossible for them not to be in the playoff uh, with the schedule they got left. And the defense is just squeezing the life out of everybody they play. And uh, they're so dominant that they're creating uh, points and field position for the offense. And, and they're making some plays offensively. Uh, while not under a lot of pressure, you know, will will somebody be able to keep it close and make it tough like Clemson did to open the season? You know, I don't know if they'll be able to or not. Uh, but uh, in the regular season, I don't see anybody giving them any grief. Uh, you know, SEC championship game, you know, if it is Bama, you know, can that become a ball game? More than likely, yes. And then, you know, who knows uh, who could challenge them in the playoff, but if they win out the regular season and even lose in the SEC championship game, I think they're still, still in, and uh, in the playoffs. So we'll, they're going to have a wonderful opportunity to win it all for the first time since 1980. That's right. Spoken like a true coach, saying, "I, you know, it could happen. They could get it done. They're talented enough, but you got to play the games, and th that's for sure." Coach, I want to test a theory on you before we get to Florida State, Miami. And, you know, when you think back to 2018, specifically with Clemson, they rolled through the ACC, right? Very few close games, if any. And Georgia's doing the same right now in the SEC. And, of course, they haven't played Bama, and the only time they'll play them is in the title game. My theory is that if you are good enough, you can make any league look silly, whether it's the ACC, SEC, Big Ten, whatever. Do you buy into that theory? Well, I think it just depends on if there's another team that can challenge you. I mean. There are some years where, like in the SEC, there may be a Bama, a Georgia, a LSU. Uh, there may be three or four teams that are really, really good, even Texas A&M possibly. You know, there's a lot of teams that could rise up and be really great football teams and provide a challenge. You know, this particular year in the SEC is a little bit different in that Georgia does look so much better than everyone else. And there's been a year or two where Bama had that same, uh, had the same deal. Now Clemson, as we know, 
was so dominant for so long and all of a sudden this year they're mortal. But, you know, back back in the day, as we say, you know, Florida State had a run in the, in the ACC. That's right. We won six, seven, eight in a row. I don't know. I forgot how many in a row we won. But uh, we were we were a team that was so dominant. There really wasn't a regular season game that would challenge us. But then we'd play Miami. We would play Florida. And those teams were, you know, that's when those three teams were, you know, three of the best in the United States. And whoever won those games was going to play for the national championship for about a, a 10 year period. And, uh, but the ACC really doesn't have that right now. It's there's more parity in the league, but there's nothing, uh, on the top end that's going to make it to the playoff. Coach, I love that. Now let's move to this. You bring up this rivalry, you bring up the three, the big three in Florida and, and specifically looking at Miami, specifically looking at Florida state. Um, you have had a very unique perspective in this game, you've played in it, uh, you have coached in it, and now looking at it this way as as a fan and as an analyst, just what makes this game so special? What makes it so unique? Well, part of it is just the guys that are being recruited by all three schools. It's it's a battle royal in recruiting, and a lot of these kids are high school teammates going against each other. Some are playing together on any one of these three teams, or you know, the two in particular we're talking about, Florida State and Miami. And uh, sometimes they're on the opposite, you know, you know, they're an opponent of each other for the first time in their lives. So um, I can recall playing a game while I was at Florida State as a coordinator and somebody thought it was a good idea to play at Miami at high noon, which in September. I t- so we opened the season at, at Miami and it's it's noon game. It is smoking hot. The humidity is unbelievable. Literally. Everybody, all both schools ran out of IVs. They were given IVs at halftime and throughout the game. They were having emergency ambulance vehicles come in and try to bring IVs in. They ran out of water in the stadium. Fans were dropping. I mean, it was <laughs> nuts. But the guys, the guys kept playing. They would play until they literally dropped. That's how much that game meant to them. Oh my Didn't God. matter how hot it was. I mean, I literally had a fourth string tailback playing wide receiver just to finish the game because we ran out of dudes. So it means so much to everybody in that game. And the bragging rights, you know, at at one time was deciding who's going to play for the national championship, but still, you know, the fan base, whether you're, you know, one in 10 or 10 and one, uh, that game is just so crucial for everybody. And I'm really, I was kind of hoping we'd be in Tallahassee, but we got bigger fish to fry in Winston-Salem this weekend. Coach, my, okay, the best line of the pod so far, fans were dropping. I mean, that <laughs> I could only imagine the humidity that day. And, you know, what's interesting is you talk about this series normally, or at least in the past, it was for a national title or, you know, a bid to the Orange Bowl or whatever. This year, both these teams are just trying to be bowl eligible. And Florida State's at a point where they can't lose again. Otherwise, they're going to miss a bowl. I want to start with the Knowles here and just ask you specifically. I, I do think we have seen signs of progress. Of course, if you beat Jacksonville State, you have a much better chance to get to a bowl. But overall, what have you seen from the Seminoles this season in year two under Coach Norvell? Well, I'm going to quickly first say something about Miami in that they're playing for more than a bowl. They, they've actually got a Yes, they, they have a chance. Coastal chaos. They've got a chance. You know, if, if Pitt gets beat, because uh, they beat Pitt head to head, and then uh, got the other ten. I think NC State's got to lose another game. But 
So it's possible for Miami to play for something bigger than a bowl. But getting back to Florida State, um, just to be talking about, oh, I hope we make it to a bowl at Florida State is so crazy to, for me to even try to put my arms around it because, you know, they've they've gone so far in the other direction. It, it's crazy. But I have seen improvement. I mean, we saw them play Notre Dame really good, and we're thinking, well, maybe this team's turned the corner. And like you say, Jack State beats them, and you're wondering what the heck's going on. And the way they lost that game was, you know, you know, you felt like they could have they could have kept that from happening, and if they'd have just done a better job of coaching, quite frankly. So they had a lot of things to repair as far as the faith of the team and the faith of the fan base. But they they did a good job of holding it together. I mean, to lose four in a row and hold it together like they did and start playing some pretty good football. I guess they won three in a row, three in a row after that. That's hard to do, and you got to give them credit for that. So. You know, I think the recruiting is going in the right direction still, and that's the most important thing for a rebuild. But uh, things take time, and people don't want to be patient. There, yeah, there's no question about that, Coach. Everybody wants this instant gratitude and, and instant success and, and just thinking, okay, this is how it's supposed to be, and, and that's just not quite it. You have to build things. You have to recover. You have to get back, and that takes time. Um, speaking of Miami, speaking about Miami playing for more than just a bowl game and having a real shot – at this coastal chaos, if the necessary things happen, uh, they have absolutely turned it around. I mean, th- there was a time that we were all watching Miami and just scratching our heads saying, what is this? What is going on? And then there's this, you know, surgence of quarterback play with Tyler Van Dyke and, and making a huge difference. But, you know, how the heck were they able to make such a steep turnaround like they like they have? Right. Well, if you if you go back and look at it, they played Alabama, who last week was number two in the college football poll. They played Michigan State out of the blue for some reason. <laughs> That's probably me scheduling it. <laughs> but anyway, uh, you know, and they were number three last week. I know they got beat, but so they played the number two and number three team as of last week's college football, the first college football poll. They lose on a chip shot field goal against Virginia. And then they lose, uh, who they lose to where they threw the pick? They North Carolina. Three, North, Carolina, North yep. Carolina. And they're driving the field. I think they're inside the 10, maybe inside the five, where they could at least kick a field goal to tie. They they go for a touchdown and ball gets tipped and intercepted. So they they really weren't that far off of you know a really good record. And uh and so they lost those games as we know. But in the second half of the season, they beat NC State ranked team. They beat Pitt ranked team. You know, they win last week in dramatic fashion, you know. So, you know, sec- second half, you could say from the second half on, they may be the best team in the league right now. And, again, it's just a tribute to everybody hanging together, not quitting. And then a guy who's brash and bold enough to, to say, you know, I guarantee it, so to speak, <laughs> uh, against NC State and back up his words in Tyler Van Dyke. Uh, just there, there's the swag that Miami's been looking for and, being provided by a young kid that probably doesn't know any better. <laughs> I don't think there's any question about that. And and really just to see his, you know, kind of evolution coaches is just coming out party, if you will. I've got to give a ton of credit to coach Rhett Lashley here exactly. as well from play calling and just opening up that playbook for this young man. Yeah. I think in the beginning they're trying to spoon feed him and, and that wasn't doing much good for anybody. And 
and they kind of got in a desperate situation and said, we, we got to cut it loose whether we like it or not. And then, you know, Tyler responded in, in a big way. And so they started, you know, starting out early in the games, being much more aggressive, as you mentioned, in the play calling. And all of a sudden you get guys like Rambo, Mike Harley, you know, making plays. Uh, you know, Mallory's starting to get in the act. And then Knighton, you know, you'd hate to see Cam Harris get hurt, but Knighton has really taken off. And I guess he, I don't know if he had 200 yards last week, yeah, but he had a bunch. And uh, so a lot of these young players are making plays and getting people excited about the future. And that's exactly what uh, Coach Diaz needed. Definitely. And getting excited about the future. But as you said, Coach, still a lot to play for this year. And it would be quite the story to see Miami go in the Coastal. I'm almost rooting for it now because it would be the most chaotic thing, and that's what we need in the Coastal. I'm, I'm all in on it. Um, so let's, let's talk about the rest of the ACC, too, here, Coach. Obviously, you know, EMAC, former Clemson Tiger. I'm a former Clemson Tiger. I know you've talked about this so much on the huddle, and I, I get that, but it's been such an interesting and somewhat puzzling year to see this offense go from what it was to the worst in the ACC right now. How has that happened? When you look at it with your coach's eyes, what have you seen from this offense and, and why the decline? Well, I've, I've been using the term dynamic playmakers. You know, that's what they lost in, in uh, you know, ETN and a couple of those great receivers that they, that they lost and, uh, and even at the, obviously at the quarterback position too. So, you know, these guys weren't just normal stars. They were superstars, and they all left together. And so now all of a sudden you got a young guy who uh, everybody saw him play big in his couple moments as a backup off the bench. You know, DJ Uyunglele, you know, had his day in the sun last year enough to get a Dr. Pepper commercial, you know. And, uh, and then all of a sudden – he, he gets the, the weight of being the starter, being the guy, and being the Heisman Trophy candidate preseason and all that. And quite frankly, he just he has really struggled uh, with his accuracy. And he, he throws what I would call a heavy ball. <laughs> you know, he, he, he throws a ball that is not easy to handle sometimes, especially in the short-range throws. And even when they do catch it, they're not really catching it on the move. And if you can't hit, you know, if you can't hit your target and hit a guy on the run, you're not going to get much yards after catch. You're going to get a lot of third down situations that you got to continually make the third downs, which is hard to do. And uh, it's just been a really tough time for him. He, he also is a kid that really um, doesn't look to scramble, doesn't look to cross the line of scrimmage. And if you beat him in the in the, your your pass rush. He's really not going to create a whole lot uh, for you. So uh, it's just been a tough thing for everybody. And uh, it's been kind of crazy to see Clemson become, you know, so mortal in such a short amount of time. Coach, going from a quarterback who who is struggling, but, you know, seems to be getting better. I think his last three games here have been his best three so far in, in his season this season to a guy in Kenny Pickett who is playing at an unbelievable level who has just great ownership of his offense, who made the decision to come back, and, man, it's paying huge dividends right now. Do you think because of his success in the fact that he did come back, we will see more guys make that decision, or is this kind of a freaky one-off type deal? 
No, I, I think you'll see more of it. Kids will be, when you have an example to look at and you see the success, you could say, hey, that can happen for me too. So it'll give people more confidence to do that. Uh, but not not many people are that patient. And, you know, they're, they tend to have somebody in their ear saying, hey, you know, go now. Even if you go in the third or fourth round, it's okay. Get to your second contract. That's when you'll make the money and all that kind of thing. So, you know, there's always somebody talking to the kid or somebody in the family trying to convince him to go because an agent knows that even if if he thinks he's in good shape to get this kid, even if it's not in his best interest, the player's best interest to go now, they know that a year from now they may not that agent may not get that kid. So a lot of times agents are like, whether he's ready or not, I think I can get him. And they, they try to convince you to move on. So it, there's a lot of things playing against that kind of loyalty and that kind of patience. But when Kenny has the success that he does, it'll, it'll breed some confidence in some other guys to do the same. Theme of the day from Coach Rick, patience. I love that, Coach Rick. You're preaching uh, today. I want to ask you about the ACC as a whole. And you can go anywhere with this. You can say, this team has surprised me in a bad way or in a good way. But which team overall, from what you thought in the preseason to now, has surprised you the most in the ACC? I'd say Syracuse. Um, they, we love uh, Syracuse on this pod. Yeah, well, you know, we really didn't think a whole lot of Syracuse and what they might be able to accomplish. And, uh, and then, of course, Tucker took off and is still riding high. And uh, Schrader has found his wheels for sure. He's, I think he is improving as a passer, but um, – and they're playing really good defense. I, I think if you just say – who's the most improved team from a year ago at Syracuse and who's the most improved team from the start of the season. It's probably Syracuse as well, other than possibly Miami. Um, so, I mean, I'm, I'm thrilled that to see, you know, Syracuse come on and play good. And, you know, I've always been impressed with Tucker ever since he had that dynamic run. It was his freshman year where he looked like he was tackled and popped up and ran another 60 yards down the field. Uh, I keep making the comparison to no Sean Moreno with this kid. He's just got that kind of energy and balance and speed and, and ball catching ability. He's just a special player. There's no question about it. And Syracuse having a special season, going to be really interesting to see how those guys finish. But coach Rick, thank you for joining us again. As I mentioned, you're, you're one of two people in the whole world to make a repeat <laughs> appearance. Oh, we yeah. appreciate your time so much. Well, I'm, I'm glad you guys thought about me this morning. Y'all have a good day. Any chance to talk to Coach Mark Richt is a great day. We love talking with him. He is, he's a legend. He's, he's coached at all these great programs. He's been a part of national titles and conference titles and all of that. But really, he's just a great dude and always is willing to give you some of his time, a man of faith, has a great sense of humor. Just love talking with Coach Mark Rick. And I love, I love the love That's to, right. to Syracuse because he's on board because we're a Syracuse uh, homer pod, really. We are Syracuse stands, stand, however, however the kids say it, uh, <laughs> over here with the Syracuse Orange. And, and also, guys, if you don't get enough of Coach Rick on Saturday – on the huddle, go check out his book. Go buy his book. Oh, yeah. I think it's anywhere in the world. Uh, it's called Make the Call. 
really great book that dives into to, to pretty much every aspect of his coaching life, even goes into his playing days. But what's so cool for, for me when I read that book, KG, is that I was reading it like in his voice. Have you ever done yeah. that? Have you ever read yeah. something in, in someone else? And so I was truly, it was like I was listening to him tell all these great stories and just a really, really fun book that any Georgia, Miami, FSU fan and overall just college football fan, you'll, you'll love it. There's some unbelievable stories in there. Totally agree. He needs to do an audible reading of it. That's what I said. Voice, I said, what are we doing? We're just leaving money on the table, coach. Come yeah, on. His voice is so unique. I mean, you, there are, I don't think there's anyone out there that sounds like coach. So I think that would be perfect. There we go. Totally agree. I, I think like we it. should get about 10% of that when they decide to do it. You know, we could, Matt could read the forward. <laughs> um, I could read just the, uh, the, the acknowledgements at the end, something very small. Mac, before we uh, get out of here today, we have a Thursday game. Let's go. So we are going to preview this game because if we preview it on Friday, it will be over. Oh, good point. So that would That's make a no good sense. Point. <laughs> yeah, it's called it's called calendars, Mac. You learn to read one and it will change your life. So let's dive in because this is actually a really big game. North Carolina travels to the Steel City, travels to Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is a six and a half point favorite. UNC is just trying to play spoiler. They're just trying to spoil everything for everyone. Their season has not gone as planned, and they're just trying to spoil it. Now, they could finish 8-4, and four, and so they, they are playing for something, no doubt. And Pittsburgh, of course, is still trying to win the Coastal, as we talked about with Coach. It could be Miami. It could be Pitt. It could be Virginia. It's still very much up in the air. Pitt is a six-and-a-half point favorite at home. Home team on a short week. I generally will lean towards the home team. UNC is playing really well, though, Mac. What are your initial thoughts on this game? How many points are going to be scored? That's my biggest question. Is this going to be? So? Do you think it will be that high I don't scoring? Know if it, I don't think it's going to be Wake UNC. I, I don't because I spoke about that on Packer and Durham earlier this week. I don't know if Pitt's defense will allow that. Now, we did see a shootout against Western Michigan. We did see a, a bit of a shootout against Tennessee, but I think those guys are a little bit more. And maybe even, I, I don't know if you call that Miami game a shootout or not. Maybe, maybe you do. Um, but so there is potential. I mean, there is potential for this thing to get out of hand and, and both offenses just really go crazy, but I don't know if we'll get it. I, I think short week plays a part. I think all the emotion that UNC is, is, you know, experiencing after coming off that huge win against Wake Forest and now turning around and running into another buzzsaw that is, you know, the Pitt Panthers, but you know, who knows, maybe they want to play Miami this week and, and they want to, you know, just ruin these ranked team seasons and get them out of the, uh, the college football playoff picture, get them out of the college football rankings. So it's going to be interesting to see. Um, I said this last week, but I'm going to say it again here. I said it Monday. I'm going to say it again here. I think this is a really cool kind of unique measuring stick for Kenny Pickett and Sam Howell playing really you know big games on Saturday and then a quick turnaround and playing on Thursday because that's what you have to do at the next level. And so it's going to be really just a, I don't know, a fun thing to watch how prepared these guys are, how dialed in they are, and you know, just looking at their respective game plans and playbooks, you know, what what is that going to look like on the field? So, a really unique opportunity for both those young men. No doubt about it. I want I want to ask you this, Mac. I want to play a game of who would you rather have? Ooh, okay? I like that. Let's do it here. This is completely off the the cuff. This is not a would you rather situation. No, no, no. Don't hear me. That would be weird. Um, this is a who would you rather have on your team. So I'm going to give you three position players, and then I'm going to give you, you're going to have to choose a defense, which I kind of know which defense you're going with. <laughs> um, let's start a quarterback. All right. Who would you rather have for this Thursday night, Kenny Pickett or Sam Howell? 
if you look at my preseason rankings, you guys would know there would be no question before this season was played, I would go with Sam Howe. But Kenny Pickett is playing like the best quarterback in all of the country. The ownership of the offense, the physical tools, the way that he's out there executing, um, the way that he has extended plays and drives with his legs. And I know Sam has done an unbelievable job as well. But just true quarterback, as crazy as it sounds, I'm going with Kenny Pickett. And I think that he gives you the edge in this game. I think that just been there, done that type of guy with just no, I don't know, he's never nervous. The moment's never been too big this year. Yeah. And even in their losses, people will come at me, I'm sure, and say, well, they got two losses. It was too big then. It wasn't his fault. I promise you that. It wasn't his fault. It wasn't him. And so when you look at that, I'm, I'm leaning Kenny Pickett. I agree, especially if the turnover margin comes into play, which I feel like it will on a short week. You got to give Pickett the edge. So, okay, that's a point, point for Pitt here. Running game. Obviously, UNC's running game is more than Ty Chandler. It's Sam Howell playing fullback as well. But <laughs> would you rather have Ty Chandler or Israel Abanacanda? Okay, so not running games, but those two specific Specifically, players. Specifically, those two okay, players. Okay, I like that question. Um, I'm still going, it w- would have been UNC either way, so that was kind of silly correct, to ask. Correct, um, I'm going Ty Chandler. I mean, th- that kid is so explosive. Young man, excuse me. It's really fun to watch him play. Uh, the speed, the balance, the vision, uh, just a true overall running back that can do anything for you. And he's great in the special teams. He's great in the passing game. Um, Abanacanda has been as well. He stepped up and you know kind of emerged as the running back I thought he would. But Ty Chandler's just a game breaker. He he's a guy that you know you can just give him an inside handoff and you look up seventy five yards later and he's sitting in the end zone. So I think that, that it's actually a clear cut winner here. And uh, I, I'm going with Ty Chandler. Point UNC. All right. Now this is the question that I'm I'm curious which way you're going to go. Who would you rather have, Josh Downs or Jordan Addison? This one, I think, is the biggest toss-up, which is crazy to sit here and say that we were just talking about Sam Howell and Kenny Pickett, but to say that this one is a bigger toss-up, I think either guy, whoever you choose, is going to be dominant, but I love Jordan Addison. I really Ooh. do. And I think that his just his ability to run the route tree completely, I've never really seen him drop a ball. We saw one miscommunication in his entire career, and it was a big one, and we don't know whose ball it was. Was it Kenny's? Was right. it his? and that pick against Miami. But that's the only time I've seen him have a bad play. And uh, so I'm going with Jordan Addison. Now, Josh Downs is special. Josh Downs, I think, is a little faster. Josh Downs might have more of a home run type threat. Uh, but just a guy that I know I can always rely upon is Jordan Addison. And, and Josh, is he's the only show in town, right? He, he's the only real guy this year that has emerged for UNC. So I think that's why you're seeing these awesome stats, which – you know, he deservedly so. I think we said in a couple of our preseason shows, this guy's not quite there yet, but expect him to be on a first-team All-ACC by the end of it, and he surely will be. But I, I just historically, what I see from a week-to-week basis, I'm going with Addison. You called downs on an All-ACC team, by the way. You had that at the very beginning. This is a very tough one, and I think I would go Addison just because I, I think he's a little more of a complete player, and he's actually... So Downs has more yards, but Addison's been in, he has 11 touchdown receptions and, and Josh Downs has eight. And maybe I'm coming off the weight game where I felt like, look, it was all running game really for UNC, but Downs wasn't able to do as much. So we'll see if he's able to get going against Pittsburgh. That's two pit points. And I lied. I have two more, two more questions oh. because I have to give you some love with the O-line. Okay. Which <laughs> offensive line unit? Would you rather have? I don't think this one's even close. I think it's Pittsburgh. I think this one I, might. Okay. Well, the running back 
eh, it's it's close. I think Pitts, but it also includes pass protection. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm just saying. I, I think when you look at it, okay, the running back was uh, was kind of one sided. I think that the Pitt offensive line is a little one sided right here too. I'm, I'm going with those guys. They played just really well this season. It protected Kenny. They've been able to run it when they need to run it. Uh, they keep that man upright, and uh, UNC has not. I mean, you have all five returning starters to start the season. A little bit of shuffling of guys at times, and uh, just really kind of you know, underwhelmed us with offensive line play from the Tar Heels and, and just seeing them and what they're able to do. Now, you, you can sit here and say, well, they've got all these rushing yards. They have all these statistics. But just when you watch them, it's a lot of Sam Howell and a lot of Ty Chandler creating. You know, kind of like Florida State a couple of years ago when we would say, man, Cam Akers is averaging, you know, 10 yards a rush. It wasn't his offensive line. I promise you that. That's not why he was doing it. Um, right. So I'm, I'm going towards Pitt. And like I said, sadly, I don't, I don't think it's really close. That's three points for Pitt and one for North Carolina. And of course, you know, we got to throw a bone to the defense. Which defensive unit would you rather have? Yeah, but both of these teams just super inconsistent in in things that they've shown. And and we've seen flashes of greatness from both. And man, just really big time plays, um, especially when they needed it a week ago against Wake. Now, I know they gave up 55 and 100 million yards and all that stuff. But when they needed it, they were able to come up big on that fourth down uh, you know, that that really changed the game when Wake should have just taken a field goal, they stop them. Another fourth down, fast forward later in the game, um, you know, Wake Forest runs like a, a quick fade route. They stop them again. So when they needed it, UNC's defense stepped up, uh, but but just way too inconsistent, giving up 420-plus a game, 34 points. Um, that, that's a lot of points. So I'm going with Pitt here as well. I think that their rush defense has been pretty consistent throughout this uh, you know, season, and that'll be huge in this game. I think if you can limit UNC running the football, you've got a really good chance here. And then, you know, giving up 22, 23 points per game, uh, I'm leaning with the uh, the Pitt Panthers here. So it's it's starting to stack up on them, Kelly. Yeah, in this little exercise, it sure feels like it's leaning towards Pitt. And I think, to your point, Mac, you know, a lot of this is going to come down to, this is a weird way to put it, but can you force Sam Howell to be a right. passer? That's so <laughs> weird to think about that. When you look at what he did last year, but to, you know, Josh Downs is his main weapon and the other weapons that he's used this year are his own legs and of course, Ty Chandler. So I think that's huge. And then of course, the turnover margin, whenever it involves Sam Howell and involves North Carolina, if they don't turn it over, they've got a chance, but if they do, they can lose to a Georgia Tech. That's right. And I think what what you just said, there's going to be really interesting. Can you force him to be a passer? Because what does Pitt do defensively? They go man to man. What does that mean when you go man-to-man? Your head is turned. You don't see the quarterback. You're strictly playing the pass. So if you've got you know five, six guys out there playing man and turning and running, that means a quarterback run can be very dangerous. So is Pitt going to have a spy? Is Pitt going to have more of a contained type you know, principle where they're saying, okay, we dare you to run because we have a guy right here waiting for you. But then, of course, you're taking somebody out of coverage. I am also interested to see how do they guard Josh Downs? Is it a singular cornerback following him around all day long? Do they have a safety stacked over the top to just not make his impact down the field? Like, sure, you want to throw it to him 10 times and in the flats or or a quick screen or a hitch, go for it. But he's not going to beat us over the top. It's going to be very interesting to see this chess match that is going to be played between these two teams. And I think at the end of the day, if if Pitt can run enough kind of zone man, some some buzz principles, uh, maybe even have kind of like a – uh, a buzz three look where you have kind of an inverted safety where one's down, one's high. Um, it, it can be really interesting to see 
the how does UNC attack that? Uh, because if the if the run's not there, you've got to think that it's going to be a slow day at the office for this offense. I am so ready for this game. What a treat on a Thursday night, Mac. Give me your pick. I need a straight up pick. Ooh. I need a spread pick here. <laughs> if you are where you're leaning, Pitt is a six and a half point favorite. Keep this in mind. Pitt, they're seven and two on the year. They're also seven and two against the spread. So they've been really good all year at covering. It's it's gonna be interesting to see. I'm taking Pitt. I think Pitt covers because I think they win by more than a touchdown. Okay. It's been so fun to become a degenerate and understand all oh, this we love it. stuff. Uh but I think I'm gonna take the under. I think it might be like a little that. bit of a struggle because it's it's going to be a little chilly. It's supposed to be a high of 66. When that sun goes down, it's going to be really cold in the Steel City. And uh, I don't know if you know this, but wide receivers do not like to catch passes when it's super cold. <laughs> uh, so it, it's going to be interesting, but I, I'm taking the under and I'm taking Pitt winning uh, outright and with the points. Are you questioning the toughness of wide receivers, Mac? Uh, I sat with Eddie Royal in a studio and he was freezing cold. I can't imagine what he would look like in the Steel City. Well, you know, his cold. body produces less heat than <laughs> and, some of, and less, of the bigger less, guys. Uh, less insulation on that young man than, than me. So Exactly. That's why That's why this is a little behind the scenes. Whenever the boys are in the ACC Network studio, you guys are always, you're saying, okay, like we need, we need it to be a little right. colder in here because we're going to sweat in our suits. Right. When we get in there for ladies' night, we are freezing. Crank it up. Every time. Crank it up. Just put it at 80. A couple years ago. Kelsey wore Uggs and had a blanket with her at all times when we were doing that show. Do wow. you see what y'all do to wow. us? Listen, I mean, you know, you, you guys need to find the, you know, kind of like seat backs yeah. that are like heated, like your we car. You have heated seats. Seat warmers. Uh, or just like I said, just crank it up in there. Make it a sweat box. Do whatever you want. I, I'm with you on this, Mac. I'm taking Pitt. <laughs> I, oh, because Pitt is seven and two against the spread, I feel like Pitt minus six and a half is where I would lean, but. I would not be shocked if UNC covered here. I think taking the under is is the better play in this game. What do you What do you think? Well, I'm gonna give you one more prediction. Give me Give me Sam Ooh. and Kenny's stat line. I see. Okay, because you're trying to make. You can give Sam me generals. A, you don't You don't have to say like 357 yards. Like, give me Give me what you think. Yeah, 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 yeah. But he's not. He hasn't really been able to. He doesn't have the gaudy passing yards that Kenny Pickett has this year because he doesn't have as many weapons to to pass the ball. I would say, I think Hal ends up just over 200 yards passing, and I think they limit him a little more rushing. This is not Wake's rushing defense. I think he rushes for like 50 or 60 yards. I think Pickett passes for 350, uh, okay. three catches. I like that. I think, And I think Hal throws at least one pick. Do you? Does that change the game, or is it just like a random whatever? Yeah, I think that's part of why Pitt wins. I think okay. how there's a little bit of a turnover bug at times. Yep. They were look they they were a lot better not turning the ball over against Wake, yeah. and that was huge. I th- but this is on the road, yeah. and Pitt's defense is okay. better. I like that. I'm going to give you one more bad stat for Sam. Unfortunately, I think he gets sacked at least five times. I think that that man coverage, and there's going to be somebody waiting, kind of in a a uh, spy look that he's going to see and be like, oh, I can't just take off and run. And try to extend the play, and then just not have enough time because those pit, you know, headhunters are are going to be coming. So I think he, not that he's going to struggle, but just that he's not going to have the time that he needs. I think two fifty right at three hundred is is a good number for him. I think he has probably, you know, maybe fifty yards running, uh, but just because he has so many sack yards against him, so that's going to limit him there. 
I think Kenny goes, like you said, 350 plus, maybe even 400, and just continues to build on this case that I'm the best quarterback in the country. I wouldn't be surprised to see him with three, four touchdowns. Um, and then if he can do it on his legs, that's kind of, with his legs, that's kind of you know just the cherry on top there. So I, I think it, it's going to be a struggle for you know UNC, but also with this weather, it, it's going to be interesting to see. But Thursday night action, always fun to watch when you're the the only college game in town there. So it'll be a lot of fun. But guys, that's it for this episode. Thank you for listening. If you haven't already, go over to iTunes, follow our podcast, drop us a little five star rating, or write us a review. We would greatly appreciate that. But until next time, we'll see y'all.